right, thank you ladies, I appreciate that. If you take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the book of 2 Peter, the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter and chapter number 3. Again, thank you for your faithfulness and uh, what a blessing it is to be in church on the Lord's day. 2 Peter chapter number 3. And if you'll stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word, 2 Peter chapter number 3. If you're glad to be here today, say amen. amen. All right, good. Most of us, that's a, good, that's a good start right there. I like that. 2 Peter chapter 3. We'll begin reading verse number 12, 2 Peter chapter 3, and beginning in verse number 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heaven being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to, the, to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing uh, that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Verse 15, And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Verse 18 is our text this morning, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Now I want you to notice that first line of verse 18, but grow in grace. But grow in grace. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. A very simple yet profound truth that we all need. It doesn't matter how long we've been saved. We all need to grow. It matters not uh, how many uh, years we have been in the faith. It doesn't matter what we used to do or where we are or, or where we've been or what our, our uh, spiritual background may be. Every single person in this room today, starting with this preacher, needs to grow in grace. And I pray that you'd help us. There's none of us who can say, well, I've arrived because that's not true until we arrive in heaven. When we awake in the likeness of the Son of God, I pray that you'd help us this morning to see a very important truth, and I pray that we'd be willing to grow and, uh, and have a heart to grow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> Peter's writing the last words that he would pen this side of heaven. You know, last words are special. If you have ever been at the bedside of a loved one who was nigh unto death, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I see Mrs. Lepley over here, and she just lost her sister, uh, her baby sister, not too long ago. And, uh, and there are many others of you. I, I happened to make eye contact with Ms. Lepley, as I said, that it reminded me about that. But all of us, many of us, know what it's like to be at the bedside or to visit with someone who is not long for this world. I remember Years ago, not too, well, probably just now, about six or seven years ago, my grandfather on my dad's side, he was 93 years of age, and he, was, he lived a very active, healthy life up until just a few weeks and months before he went to heaven, 
had his driver's license as a as a 92 year old man, and he went just about anywhere he wanted to go. And and uh, wh whenever whenever he got to the point where he couldn't drive, that was it. I mean, he was just uh, he he was uh, he he was a go getter. But I remember going to visit my my grandfather for the last time, and. Uh, thinking that this would probably be the last time that I get to speak with him on this side of eternity. And uh, that was a great conversation. And he, he spoke candidly about his life and, and, uh, and really uh, challenged me as, as a husband, as a father, and, uh, and just to, to follow the Lord's will. And, and he knew that it would probably be the last time that he and I spoke on this side of heaven. And so those words were very very cherished. And here we see the Apostle Peter. He knows that his days on this earth are numbered. <clears throat> if you know church history, you may be familiar with the fact that Peter, it is said by church tradition, he was crucified as Jesus was, but not just as Jesus was. When it came time for Peter to die a martyr's death on a cross, Peter stopped him and said, wait a minute, I'm not worthy to die on a cross just like Jesus died on the cross. And so if you would, would you, would you crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die just like my Savior? It was widely accepted that Peter died in that fashion. And similar to the Apostle Paul, Peter had a great desire to care for young believers who came after him. Peter understood the value of investing in those who are to follow us. The Bible instructs us very plainly that we are to, we're to invest and to commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others what we have been taught by the generation that came before us. And Peter understood that. He recognized that uh, the, the, the many pitfalls and hazards that could sidetrack the following generation spiritually, and so he gave himself to trying to help them here in the last few words of Second Peter. He said in verse number 12, he said, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. He reminds us that this world is just temporary. And may I say to all of us this morning, extend that reminder. This world, your life on this earth is very temporary. It's fleeting. It's here today and gone tomorrow. The Bible tells us in the book of James, he said, what is your life? It is even a vapor. It's here for a little time and then it vanishes away. Uh, your, your days on this earth are numbered. The Bible says in, in Psalms, to, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And so Peter, recognizing that, uh, that something needed to be done, something, a, a warning needed to be issued to this, uh, the, uh, the, those who would come behind him, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians who were young in the Lord. And he's admonishing them. First of all, I want you to see this. Number one, the admonition to grow. The admonition to grow. Look with me back at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18, the text verse, last verse in the book. He said, but grow in grace. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Understand, he said, you've got to want to grow. Again, he's talking to young Christians, those who have not been saved very long. By the way, uh, uh, in Christianity, our spiritual age uh, has nothing to do with how long we have been saved, necessarily. Our spiritual age has everything to do with how open we are to growth. Our, I, I, when I say age, I should use the term maturity. I know folks who've been saved for years and years and years and years, but they're not very spiritually mature yet. That's not, a, that's not an indictment, necessarily. That's not, that's not a criticism, per se, depending on what they've been exposed to. 
But the Bible says that we ought to have a desire to grow in grace. There's the admonition there that Peter gives to those who follow him. He says this, uh, he said, uh, uh, grow. Our spiritual growth is predicated on the assumption that we're willing to grow. Now, here's a, uh, here's a profound statement. You can't grow in grace unless you want to. <laughs> you have to have a desire to grow in grace. There ought to be something on the inside of you in your spirit that desires to know more about Jesus Christ, that desires to go further for the cause of Christ, that desires to, to uh, uh, not just to be status quo, not just to stay where you are. God deliver us from the mentality of, well, I'm saved, and that's good enough for me. God deliver us from the mentality of, well, you know what? Uh, my sins are forgiven. Heaven's my home. Uh, and, and by the way, praise God for it. Man, if you, if you got saved yesterday, hallelujah, that's great. That's awesome. But whether you got saved yesterday or 50 years ago, every single one of us ought to have a desire to grow. A yearning to grow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse number 11, the Bible says this, Now therefore perform the doing of it, uh, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also of that which ye have. For if there first be a willing mind, notice what he said, the, the uh, prerequisite, the requirement to grow is there must be a willing mind. You got to want to. You have to have a desire to. Uh, I, uh, in, in coaching uh, JV basketball for many years, and, and uh, there, were, there were guys who came in the gym, and man, they just, they wanted to get better. They wanted to make the next step, to take the next step. They wanted to improve. They wanted to grow, man. They wanted to, to, to reach their potential as a basketball player. And the same thing applies, that same principle applies to spiritual growth. You got to want to grow. You have to have a desire to grow. In this passage, Paul was talking to the church at Corinth about the grace of giving and helping others, but he mentions the, ne the necessity of a willing mind as a requirement for spiritual growth. May I put it simply this morning? We have to want to grow in the Lord if it's going to happen. So I ask you a simple question. Do you want to grow? Do you have a desire to grow? Is there anything on the inside of your spirit, on the inside of your soul that says, I want to know more. I want to, I want to, uh, to reach my potential for the cause of Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2, the Bible says, As newborn babes since, uh, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. As newborn babes. God gives the analogy here of a newborn baby to a newborn Christian or a young in the Lord Christian or a spiritually not mature Christian. He said, as newborn babes, he said, what's going to help you grow? The first step, just as a newborn baby desires that sincere, that, that simple milk from his mother, he said, the spiritual growth comes, it begins with the milk of the word. Now, just an observation, I'm always amazed at how tiny newborn babies are. They're all, they, they almost seem fragile. And, uh, you know, we, we had baby dedication uh, here not long ago, and uh, uh, Holly and Nick and, uh, presented Garrett to be dedicated, and, and we've, had, uh, we've had several babies born uh, into the church family just uh, in the last several months. I uh, think about Landon and Clara May and so forth. And, you know, <clears throat> but when I, when I see them the first time, they're just so, they're so tiny. They're so tiny. But in just a matter, you, man, you, it seems like a few months later you see them and they're, you know, they're walking around. I mean, no, no, well, not quite, but, but uh, 
they grow so fast. It's amazing to me. Growth is natural. Physical growth is natural. You know, if, if those tiny newborns never grew, well, mom and dad are going to take that little baby to the doctor, to the pediatrician, and say, hey, what's going on? And they're going to run some tests, and they're going to try to figure out why is this child not growing physically as he or she should. Well, by the same token, it's not natural for a spiritual baby not to grow. It's the, it's the natural thing for us to grow in grace. Growth is natural. Growth is normal. Hey, growth is necessary. Growth is necessary. Growth is self-determined. And it all boils down to the question this morning, do you want to grow? Now, I, uh, for, for, for the sake of the, the, the message, I understand I'm talking to several groups of people in here. I'm talking to those who are not saved. I'm talking to those who are saved and really don't care to grow. And then I'm also talking to those who are saved and have a desire to grow. Now, what I'd like to happen this morning is for those in that middle group who are saved but have no desire to grow to get that desire. That's what I'd love to see happen this morning. And then for those of you who are saved and have a desire to grow, I want you to set a course for it. I want you to get a plan for it this morning. So there's the, uh, there's the admonition to grow. And then I want you to see this, the alternatives to growth. The alternative to growth. In previous verses, Peter warns the people who are not growing. Notice, if you will, with me, the description of these people. Look back at verse number 16, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 16. Peter takes a moment and describes people who are either not growing or refuse to grow. Look at verse 16. As also in all his epistles, talking about Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things, and which are some things hard to be understood, notice, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. He's speaking there of people who are on the opposite end of the spectrum, people who may not have the desire to grow. What is he saying? He's saying they are unlearned, unstable, and that eventually leads to their own spiritual destruction, their own demise, spiritually speaking. He's not talking about losing their salvation. You can't lose your salvation. Once you're saved, you're saved forever. You're sealed into the day of redemption, the Bible says. He's not speaking there about, uh, about being lost again. You don't lose that. But what he is talking about is those, are those who flounder in their Christian lives. Those who just never, those who refuse to grow or do not grow, they are unlearned and they are unstable. And the end of unlearned and unstable Christians, as it, as it relates to spiritual growth is concerned, is a spiritual demise. Uh, uh, how, many, how many young Christians who, uh, who refuse to grow or who are uh, approached by someone who is of a, of a false religion or cult how many, how many of those people are taken because of their simplicity and their desire to learn, they fall prey to false doctrine? Hey, it's so important that we get grounded in the Word of God, grounded in the milk of the Word, grounded in the, in the principles of, of God's divine Word to us. That's how we grow. Then I want you to see number three, the advantages of growth. I hasten through the, through the message this morning because I want to get to the, the end of it here. The advantages of growth. The advantages of growth, first of all, it insulates us from error. 
I mentioned that just a few moments ago. When I was a teenager, I, had a, I worked at a, uh, my first public job. I worked at the, uh, the local city bus garage. I guess that was my second uh, job. And, and I worked there all throughout the summer. And then my senior year of high school, I worked after school, after ball practice or whatever. And, and uh, there was a, a man there who worked at that same garage, and he was a Jehovah's Witness. And I, I was in the break room one day, and he approached me, and he said, uh, he said I, understand that, uh, I understand you go to church. And I said, yes, sir, that's right. He said, well, can you mind if I have a Bible study with you? I thought, well, that sounds innocent. And <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, sure. And so he sat down, and he opened what he called a Bible, and I, I quickly noticed that what he was reading from the Bible wasn't what I recognized as the Bible. You know, how that's how it starts. People who are spiritually immature, people who refuse to grow, or for whatever reason do not grow, they do not get in the Word of God, someone uh, uh, comes along, someone who may be very sincere in what they believe. But let me tell you something. Sincerity does not, does not make it true. You can be sincerely wrong. And uh, again, I, I'm not attacking this man personally, but what he was saying, his doctrine was false. He was, uh, uh, he was trying to peddle something that was, he was trying to tell me that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. Now, understand something. Uh, if, we are, if we're growing in grace, if we're feeding on the Word of God, hey, if we, get to, if we get to be a part of a Sunday school class and we get in that Word, look, the Bible's not just a Sunday-only book. Hey, you need the book on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's how you're going to grow. You're going to grow by, by exposing yourself on a daily basis to the Word of God. You say, Preacher, what about the things that I don't understand? Look, I've been saying it for a long time, but I still come across things I don't understand. I've got two earned degrees from Bible college, and there's still things I don't understand about that. That's, that's, a, that's a supernatural book. There's going to be things that I don't understand. But I like what I heard one preacher say, there's enough of that book that I understand that I need to apply. I don't have to worry right now about the things I don't understand. Look, apply the Word of God that you do understand and, and, and give yourself to it and pray as the psalmist said, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of the law. And I'll promise you one thing. If you'll apply what you do understand from the Word of God, God will open your eyes to other things down the road. promise you that. Now, but it, uh, the Word of God, growth insulates us from error. It strengthens our stand. Hey, as we go out into the, to, the, to, to the workforce of the world or, or uh, uh, as we interact with people who are not uh, of the faith, uh, people who are unsaved, when we know the Word of God, we apply the Word of God, when we're growing at grace, hey, it helps us to have the right stand. The right stand. So we saw, first of all, the admonition to grow and the alternatives to growth and the advantages of growth. Then I want you to see, number four, the atmosphere of growth. And this is really the message this morning, the atmosphere of growth. Look back at our text, if you will, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18. He said, but grow, notice the next two words, in grace. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, all of this begs the question, how are we to grow? What is the process? What's the procedure of growth? What causes growth? Now, <clears throat> let me just make a disclaimer very quickly. I am not an expert in agriculture, okay? You see those? Neither of them are green. I don't have a green thumb, all right? I, I am by no means an expert in agriculture. Uh, in fact, most, thing, most things that I plant, it's a death sentence. And... Uh, <laughs> All right, 
However, that being said, um, let's use some basic principles of farming and agriculture to illustrate how we're to grow. The Bible uses that analogy. He said grow in grace. First of all, there's got to be the right nutrition, the right nutrition, the right soil condition. Hey, the Word of God, the Bible talks about the seed of the Word of God. It's got to fall on fertile soil. What is the soil that the Word of God, uh, uh, and what soil does the Word of God take root? I'll tell you what it is. It's our heart. It's our heart. Oh, we need a tender heart. We need to ask God to give us a heart that is receptive to the Word of God. You see, your response to the truth will determine whether or not you grow or not. I'm saying again, your response to the truth will determine your spiritual growth. If your response is, who does he think he is telling me that? Look, I'm the messenger, okay? Don't shoot the messenger. Now, if some of you treated the mailman like you treat the preacher, he'd be dead. <laughs> Every time he brought you a bill, how dare you give me that? Man, that's the third mailman I've had this month. No. He's, he's just the mess. He's the one that delivers the mail. Look, it's amazing. We, we expect honesty from everybody in the world. We expect it from the doctor. We go to the doctor and say, Doc, tell me like it is. Give it to me straight. Am I, am I good to go for another year or not? <laughs> doc, give it to me straight. If your doctor is dishonest with you, you need to find another doctor. You don't want a doctor who just tells you what you want to hear and, and hides what you don't want to hear. If you have someone, uh, if you have uh, a lawyer on retainer for whatever reasons, I, we won't get into that. But, uh, hey, you want your lawyer to give you the facts. You want him to tell you like it is from a legal standpoint. Why is it then when we come to church or why would we open our Bible and get mad at God when he gives us the truth? You're not going to grow unless you have a heart to receive what God wants you to have, a receptive heart. If there's, a, if there's a hard heart, if there's an obstinate heart, if there's an arrogant heart, if there's a heart that says, I don't need that, that's not for me. Why don't we just, just look, there's a, there's a term that's used in the Old Testament called uh, uh, breaking up the fallow ground. The fallow ground. Any farmers in here? Anybody done some farming or growing your own garden? All right, a few of you have. Well, you know, when you first turn that soil in the springtime, You've got to turn it before it's willing to take seed. You can't just throw seed on top of the ground that's, been, that's, that's never been turned over, that's never been plowed, and expect anything to happen. No, there's got to be a plowing there. There's got to be a turning over of the soil. Why? So that the seed can have something that's soft in which to germinate, in which to grow. That's where the process starts. And the growth process in my heart and in your heart starts just there with a, fallow, with a, a heart that's been turned over, if you will, a heart that's been tenderized by the Holy Spirit of God. We need to be open to that. Ask God to give you a tender heart. There needs to be the, not only the right soil conditions, but there needs to be the right atmosphere. The right atmosphere is conducive to growth. When there's right nutrition and the right atmosphere, growth is just the natural thing. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? That's why we need to work at being faithful to the house of God. You know what the church is? It's like a greenhouse. It's like a greenhouse. It's the right atmosphere. At least that's what we want it to be, the right atmosphere for growth. Uh, <clears throat> what, what happens in the church? You hear the word of God. You get encouraged by the songs. 
I love that choir special this morning. What a blessing. And, uh, and the congregational singing and the, the handshaking and Hebrews 10, 25 talks about exhorting one another. We'll, we'll uh, talk about the church at Corinth a little bit tonight and, and, and some of the issues that they faced. But suffice it to say, there must be the right soil conditions and there must be the right atmosphere if we're going to grow. He said, grow in grace. Was he talking about growing in different graces? Uh, he's talking the grace of forgiveness the grace of giving the grace of faithfulness the grace of being compassionate toward each other I'm sure that's part of it all of those things are Christian graces that God expects us to take strides forward in some of you need that grace of forgiveness in fact we all need it if you don't need it right now you're going to need it at some point in life I promise you that all of us need that grace of giving, that grace of faithfulness, that grace of compassion. Now, all of those are certainly worthy of our consideration for growth, but I want you to consider the fact that for us to grow, we must have the right atmosphere. Notice the atmosphere. Look back at last thing here, verse 18, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Notice what he said, but grow in grace... And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That atmosphere that helps us to grow is grace and knowledge of Christ. Now, grace is God's gifts to me that are totally the result of his goodness. Friend, you don't earn God's grace. You don't earn God's grace to be saved. And you don't earn God's grace that he gives you as a, as a child of God. Uh, grace that only comes from God's reaction to me and my humbling myself before him. The Bible says that God <laughs> resisted the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace to the humble. Grace, if you read it carefully throughout the New Testament, grace is God's reaction to our humility. Grace is God's reaction to me humbling myself before him. If I'm proud and arrogant and I insist on my way and I refuse to submit to the authority of God's word, if I refuse to submit myself to his spirit, if I refuse to, uh, uh, to be faithful to his, to his house and to his word, hey, guess what? God's going to resist me. But God says, I'll give grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is God's gift to me that I don't deserve. That's grace. That's grace. Now, if I'm to grow, there must be God's grace at work in my life. But notice, notice this morning, the first step belongs to me. The first step in growth and grace is, first of all, I've got to be willing. Let me sum all this up for the sake of time. I've got to have a willing heart. I need to ask God for a tender heart. If I'm going to grow in grace, I must take that first step toward God. What does it say in the book of James? Draw nigh to God. And what's, what's God's reaction? He'll draw nigh to you. But I first have to take that, that step of humility if I'm to grow. Not only must this atmosphere be one of God's grace, but must, it must also be an atmosphere that is a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a group of people in here you cannot grow in grace yet because you don't have a knowledge of jesus christ now there is a knowledge of jesus christ that we are to strive for after we get saved but you can only strive for that once you become one of his children 
I challenge all of us to grow in grace. If you're here this morning and you've been saved, doesn't matter. again, the length of time that you've been saved is not the question. You may have, been, you may have just gotten saved in, in recent weeks. You may have gotten saved 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. But the challenge this morning is this. Whoever you are and however long you've been saved, God wants every single one of us to have a desire to grow. Have a desire to grow. And by the way, if you have a desire in your heart to grow, that tells me something. Your heart's probably in pretty good soil condition right now. That's a good sign. If you're here this morning and, you, and you're daydreaming or you have no desire about what I'm saying or, it, or growth has no, has no appeal to you whatsoever, maybe you ought to ask the Lord to tenderize your heart a little bit. Maybe you ought to break up the fallow ground, as they said in the, in the Old Testament. Maybe you ought to ask God to, to, to do something to cause you to have that desire to grow. Either way, the choice is ours. We've got to take the first step. But there, for those of you this morning who are not saved, you can't grow in grace until you're born again. Hey, there's only so much growth a baby can have in the womb. He's somewhat restricted there. Dr. Dora, he's delivered many babies. I caught his eye over there. And, and uh, Doc, I don't know what the largest baby you've ever delivered is, and you probably don't remember either. <laughs> but, uh, but the reality is, the growth begins after birth, the, the lion's share of it. There's people in this room this morning, you say, Preacher, I'm not sure what you're talking about as far as this whole growing in grace thing is concerned. Maybe it's because you're not saved. Maybe it's because you're not part of God's family yet. Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe you've never had that spiritual birth. Hey, the challenge for you this morning is, why don't you trust Christ? Why don't you get saved? Why don't you receive Jesus as your Savior? And I promise you, I promise you, the Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And let me tell you something. In the soul of everyone who's trusted Christ, there is some desire somewhere there that says, I want to grow. You say, preacher, I don't have any desire to grow. Let me ask you a question. The first thing I would ask myself Am I born again? Am I born again? I'm not here to try to cause you to doubt your salvation. I'm just simply saying, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Something is different. Something has changed. Something, hey, salvation is not an outward confirmation to a set of rules. Salvation is an inside transformation. The Holy Spirit of God regenerated you, made you a new creature in Christ. That's why there ought to be some desire there that says, you know what? Man, I'm not where I ought to be, but I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to take some steps forward. For some of you, that first step forward might be the baptistry. You've been saved. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. Hey, you're on your way to heaven. That's wonderful. What's the first step you ought to do? What's the first step of growth you ought to take after you get saved? Follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Follow the Lord into that pool right there and identify yourself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Hey, that's what it's about. That's that first step of growth. First step of growth. Where are you on that scale this morning? That's the question. Have you been saved? Wonderful. Have you taken that first step of growth? Have you been baptized after you got saved? Wonderful. Okay. Do you desire as newborn babes the sincere milk of the Lord? Do you want to grow? Do you have a desire to grow? Ask God to give it to you. And then 
get in this book. Stay in God's word. Get on your knees and develop a prayer life. Hey, <clears throat> stay around God's people. Get involved in a, a good Bible preaching, Bible believing, Bible teaching church. Grow in grace. Our Father, I pray that you take these simple thoughts this morning, apply them to our hearts. I pray that every individual will take inventory of where they are on the scale this morning. Have they been saved? If so, wonderful. If they're saved, have they followed you in believers' baptism? Have they taken that first step of growth? If so, that's wonderful. And then, Father, for all of us, every single one of us, this preacher included, Father, there ought to be a desire to grow, a desire to be more like Jesus every day. I pray that you'd help us instill that desire in our hearts and cause it to, to burn brighter every day in Jesus' name. Our heads are about eyes are closed. I'd ask you a simple question. How many would say, Preacher, <clears throat> I'm not sure that I'm saved. If I were to die sometime soon, I'm just not sure that heaven is my home. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand? Pastor,